So I, I was going to do more on the liturgy, but I couldn't help but talk about St. Haralambos. So, yeah, going. Yeah. I have all. Okay, I have three. Yeah, perfect. So, did any of you have a chance to read about his life in the bulletin? The time you were distracted in the liturgy and opened it up? He's also the saint for beekeepers, too. Ah, he is. St. Haralambos is the saint for beekeepers. So was he a beekeeper? I don't believe so. Huh. There we go. In European countries, people on this day will bring their honey to the church to be blessed. Ah, wonderful. And is this particularly a season of, of harvesting honey? No? Okay, okay. Just checking. So for those of you who harvest honey, St. Haralambos... So I know it's a mouthful. Let's try it again. Ready? Haralambos. Haralambos. Okay. Yeah. So um, I'll read a little bit about him and his life. Uh, I won't read the bulletin because all of you have that and you can read that when you get home. But suffice it to say, uh, the highlights of his life are that he was a shepherd of the church. Um, He was a bishop. And he was a shepherd of the flock for many, many, many decades. And it was only in the the waning years of his life, when he was 113, that uh, the persecution began against him specifically. So, um, and I mentioned in the homily the quote that he says as he was being tortured... Uh, His torture, there's more detail about that here. Uh, He says, I thank you, brethren, that you have restored my spirit, which longs to pass over to a new and everlasting life. Pretty profound words. These are the people who are hacking at him, the people who are injuring him. And he's saying, thank you for restoring my spirit. So how does that apply to our lives? There's a, a wonderful little uh, prayer by St. Nikolai Velomirovich, who was a recent saint from Serbia. Um, he also was the, the author of the prologue of Okrid, which is a compendium of the lives of saints. It's a, now it's usually in a two-volume. It used to be a four-volume set. Um, and St. Nikolai wrote uh, this, I don't know, I guess you could call it a prayer, but it's... Um, He says again and again in his prayer, it's a prayer for his enemies. He says, I bless them, O Lord, I do not curse them. And he goes on to talk about all the ways in which his enemies have blessed him. More than his friends. Because his enemies have reminded him of the big picture. Whereas his friends, when we're all happy with our loved ones and our friends... That's not a bad thing to be happy and to be with your loved ones. But there's also a tendency that creeps in there, which is this life right here and now, this is the good life. And that is something that we have to keep at bay. We can enjoy this life, but it is all through the lens of the one who's given us this life. And so he, like like the prayer of St. Nikolai, where he says he blesses his enemies and he thanks God for his enemies. Likewise... He, St. Haralampos is saying, I thank you, brethren, because you have restored my spirit. You have redirected my gaze once more on God alone. So, and this is a, a very difficult task in our lives. 
So Saint Hadarambos um, did a number of miracles in his martyrdom, an earthquake, uh, some of his tortures being suspended in the air, uh, many different things. And you see from his icon, if you noticed him in the narthex, he has a very long beard, signifying his great spiritual wisdom. So I just wanted to read a couple of the hymns from the, the Orthros service about St. Haralambos. First of all, the hymn that we sang during the liturgy, which is his Apolotikion, it goes like this. A pillar unshakable are you in Christ's holy church, and as your own name denotes an ever-radiant lamp, all blessed Haralambos. Shining throughout the whole world by your feats as a martyr, driving away the darkness of the worship of idols, with confidence therefore pray to Christ, entreating Him to save our souls. So I just want to read these, and you just take them in. I'm not going to offer a whole lot of commentary, because they, they have enough within them themselves. Uh, where is it? Seeing the purity, O martyr, of your life, and how resplendently shone forth your martyrdom, O Saint Haralambos, amazed was all of the lands, and with joy they call out, On this day we venerate and honor your holy skull, which is a relic that we have to this day, which crushed the prideful insolence of the arrogant enemies, and deliver us all from all kinds of danger and from diseases as we sing your praise. And then these are a couple of hymns from the, the praises at the end of the liturgy. I mean the end of the Orthros. Come all people now, and you who love the saints, let us give rightful honor to the skull of the martyr Haralambos, saluting it with a kiss. For he preached in the stadium that Christ is God and Creator, and he rebuked the deception of the impious. Thrice blessed saint, you are numbered with the celestial hosts, that is, with the angels. And as you stand in honor near the Trinity, Father, you pray for us who honor your precious skull, and with devout faith and reverence, O Hiro Martyr Haralambos, we entreat that you keep us safe from any harm. In all of Greece has the festive and bright memorial, because in Greece they do a big procession with the, the, uh, the skull of St. Haralambos. This is a huge feast day there. Of holy Haralambos, St. Haralambos is risen most glorious and splendid, for she is blessed to possess, she, Greece, to possess his most honored skull, which has proclaimed Christ the Savior, both God and man, and hence she celebrates festively. Any thoughts or questions on Haralambos? So learn about our saints. They are wonderful blessings in our lives which God has given us. Um, and so these are things that we don't take lightly because they are given to us each and every day of the year. And each and every day we have the opportunity to learn about them, to interact with them, to pray to them. Because uh, the analogy I give all the time is that they are our long-lost relatives. It's our fault that we don't know them. It's not their fault. And so what can we do? It's not something that we just lament. We say, okay, I want to get to know my relatives. They are a part of the body of Christ. They are close to us, even though we don't know it. But we can draw close to them by venerating them, by praying to them, by celebrating their feast day, having an icon in your home of St. Haralampos that you bring out on the feast day. So, um, so that's St. Haralampos.
uh, I also wanted to talk a little bit about the epistle and the gospel since we didn't get a chance. Any questions or anything about the homily? Or was that enough to, to ponder on? So <laughs> forgive me for being a little bit uh, direct, but it was something that was on my mind for myself. So sometimes I give homilies for myself. Yeah. That's a good question. <laughs> um, the question is, how can we encourage our children? We want it to come from their hearts. How can we encourage that? And I would say it really depends on the age. Because for most of a child's upbringing in this one area, and in some other areas as well, I would encourage more rules. Because it's, it's just too tempting. Who doesn't want to watch moving images on a screen? Right? Little babies want to. So um, I would just encourage the more that you're able to keep it reined in for the longer the better because eventually you are going to have to let go. And eventually when they're 18 years old and moving off on their own, Hopefully by that point you've given them, you've slowly moved towards a little bit, a little bit more freedom so that then when they go out they don't just, you know, binge on it all. But, um, but I would encourage that, it, it's one of those things, it's hard to take back, you know. Where you're at with your kids right now, you can't go backwards from there very easily on this area. Because it's just, it's just too much of a, of a desire, of a temptation. So, and I mean, we can look at kids to say, well, how is that in me? Because in kids, it's all external and we can see it. And in ourselves, we kind of suppress all of, oh, why do I really want to do this? So, um, so that, I would encourage that with kids, is just keep it as reined in as much as possible. Because you can always let a little bit more out, but once you do, it's hard to come back from that without a World War III <laughs> revolt, a mutiny. So... <laughs> Any other questions about TV and that kind of stuff? Yeah. Just for what it's worth. Yeah. When our kids were younger, we would always eat for ourselves and then TV time. Yeah. And then we would only movies or anything about our items that were restricting nature. Yeah. Church related, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's um, it, it. Really d- depends on the kids and the families because some kids will, uh, with a little bit of per- hard persuasion, will relent to that kind of thing, like no TV through all of Lent. And other kids, it's just you know weighing the the, the pluses and the minuses of how much of a battle this is. But um, I think just that principle of keep it as reined in as possible and let it out only in a very thoughtful way. So, uh, yeah. What about for adults, like Christian music? For adults? 
And you're asking about Christian music? Yes. Okay. That's okay. Yeah. You're talking about people listening to Christian music? I would say it's it's a step up from listening to non-Christian music. So, <laughs> you know, it depends, you know. We should all listen to chant all the time, but no. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's sort of where is the person coming from and is that a step forward? And for other people, that might be a step backwards. So, um, yeah. But, yeah, the, the theology is definitely uh, quite imperfect <laughs> if you listen closely. So we're talking about Christian pop music, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, anything else about media in general? Any of that? So, um, the challenge for myself, and I extend that to all of you, is to continue to ask, why? Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? What am I actually wanting? And how can I go towards that instead of this thing that is just kind of a, a filler? And not and filler sounds still neutral. Yeah. Yeah. No news can be. Yeah, yeah. So that was about new. Yeah, the news. And I didn't mean to make it sound like watching the Red Sox win the World Series is a bad thing. Uh, I was there. I was in the streets. Uh, <laughs> but. Um, but at the same time, to, again, see all of these with our spiritual eyes. And when I say our spiritual eyes, that's not like the secondary, okay? We see with our eyes and, oh, let's look at it with our spiritual eyes. When I say our spiritual eyes, I mean seeing reality. Because when we look at the way that we interact with, let's say, news programs, what's happening inside of us? What's going on there? We might we might enjoy the thrill and rush of maybe like oh that politician's so stupid or whatever, or we might enjoy saying oh yes my person got it right, but what is that that's going on inside of us? What is that? So what? Yeah, judging, um, getting impassioned, maybe getting angry, getting resentful. So, and the same thing can happen with sports as well. I mean, think about it, how, how passionate we can get. Again, I'm not trying to be absolutist, sports or evil, or anything like that, nothing. Just simply, let's look at ourselves a little bit. When we're doing this thing that we do all the time, let's look at ourselves. So, yeah. Any other questions, comments, thoughts? Okay, so um, I mentioned at the beginning, but you weren't all here, I decided to not do the liturgy today because I w- wanted to talk about St. Hieronymus, which if you just came in, you missed. Um, but also to talk about the Epistle and the Gospel today a little bit since we didn't really delve into those as much. So, um, the Epistle today, I'll read this. It's from Second Timothy, and this is the epistle that was appointed for St. Hieronymus and also for a number of the martyrs. Uh, especially the soldier martyrs. It goes, Timothy, my son, be strong in the grace that it is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me before many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So what is he saying there at the beginning? Be strong in the grace, so stand firm. And also... What you have heard from me before many witnesses, so this is St. Paul writing to St. Timothy, and he's saying, 
the things that you have heard me say in front of lots of people, what is he asking to do with those things? Entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So, taking this depository that has come from St. Paul, and St. Paul has been sharing it with the people in front of Timothy, and now St. Paul is saying, that depository that I have given you, which we could use the word tradition that I have given you, I want you to give to faithful people. So be discerning about who you give it to, but also faithful people who can teach. So you're going to give special attention to those who are able to teach. Why? Because Timothy is appointed as a bishop. So he is also seeking those who will be leaders within the church. So, um, But what's going on there is a handing down. Which in Greek would be... I'll just do it with phonetic. Paradosis. Which we translate as tradition. Tradition. Okay. Sorry about that. Okay. So um, in, in the Bible, this is oftentimes translated as tradition in the New Testament. But with Greek, you can make anything into any part of speech. So sometimes this word is a verb. And so can't say he traditioned the person or he's traditioning the person. So that's where they might use something like this. He handed down to them or what has been handed down. So this passage doesn't have that word, but what he's talking about is this. So this is um, because what the apostles received is far greater than just the New Testament. Far more they received. And so that is the depository that they are handing down to others. So we witness that right here in this epistle. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So you can see why this is a passage that's read for soldier martyr saints, like St. Theodore, St. Demetrius, St. George. Um, And so what is he saying to Timothy? Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. You can't share unless there's someone else having some of it. Who's the other having some of it? Christ Jesus. That's right. As a good soldier of Christ Jesus, you're sharing in His suffering. In His suffering. So as Christians, we will suffer. We will suffer. No soldier on service gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to satisfy the one who enlisted him. A little background on that. So in the Roman Empire, one of the ways that you could be involved in the army is that someone would enlist you. And they would they would be kind of like your sponsor into the army. So it says, uh, No soldier on service gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to satisfy the one who enlisted him. So he wants to do well to this person who has given him the opportunity to serve in the army. So, of course, this is directly an analogy to our own Christian life. So we have been enlisted, been enlisted whether you think of it as by God 
or we've been enlisted by those faithful people around us who have brought us into the faith, whether that's our parents, whether that's our friends, whatever it may be. So all of those are people who we are seeking to satisfy, you know, not in a uh, worldly sense, but that we are seeking to do well in the faith as testament to what they have uh, invested in you. But the interesting part of that is his, he's talking about a soldier doesn't get entangled in civilian pursuits. So for us, that's that I could have used that in the homily today, right? That's what TV is: civilian pursuits. So lots of things in our lives are civilian pursuits. So anything that we're involved in that's like that, we need to be very careful about. We need to be watchful about that. An athlete is not... So he's going to give three analogies just to make a really clear picture. So first the soldier, and he's going to mix his metaphor or change his metaphor. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So now what is he saying? Play by the rules. Play by the rules. Which means follow the faith properly. Follow the faith properly. Don't cut corners. Don't try to do things in deception. And then his third analogy, it is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. What's he saying there? You can, you can, re- you can receive... Yeah, well, what you could you could use that saying what you what you sow you also reap. Yeah, but um, but also that um, that there is reward for us as hardworking Christians. You know, there is reward. This isn't just we're doing this for no for meaninglessness. There's a crop that we're sowing, and we will see the results of that crop. Now we could also say the other side, which is the crop that you sow that's towards evil. You also reap that as well. So that's uh, like the the passage that I did say in the homily, which is, uh, out of the good treasure of a man's heart, he brings forth good, and out of the evil treasure of a man's heart, he brings forth evil. For uh, out of the, uh, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So yes, we will, we will, there's no choice that we will have a crop and that we'll be reaping that crop. The question is, what's the quality of that crop? Just like eternal life. We all have eternal life. I know we say that we may be granted eternal life, but that's already been given to us by Christ dying on the cross and His resurrection. We all have eternal life. The question is the quality of that eternal life. Is it a life of blessedness, or is it a life of pain and suffering? Continuing forward, he says, Think over what I say, for the Lord will grant you understanding in everything. So he's just given him these little pearls, these little gems, and he says, think over those, and the Lord will grant you understanding. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descended from David, as preached in my gospel, the gospel for which I am suffering, and wearing fetters like a criminal. So he's saying, remember Jesus, remember him. He's saying a brief little creed of faith. Who is Jesus? The one who's risen from the dead, descended from David, preached in, in Paul's gospel. And gospel, um, as you may know, is uh, evangelion is the word. This ev means good. And you see angel in there, right? An angel is a messenger. So you could say good news, 
right? Because a messenger brings news as well. Good news, good message. That's what it is. But it's in Greek, we can just make that into a, one big noun. So it's the good news. <clears throat> but the word of God is not fettered. There's a profound statement. St. Paul is suffering and wearing fetters like a criminal at the time of his writing this. He's, that's literal, by the way. So not all of his ministry he was wearing fetters, but at this point when he's writing this letter, he's in fetters, uh, likely in, in Rome. But the Word of God is not fettered. Nothing can stop the Word of God. Nothing can stop it. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain salvation in Christ Jesus with His eternal glory. So he's enduring everything for the faithful, for the people that he has sought to bring to the faith. Any questions or comments? Yeah. I think that word elect is interesting. Yeah. In our, in our vernacular, it's somebody that we've chosen. But here, mm-hmm. it's people that have come to Christ, right? They have the faith. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they have self-aware. Yeah. It's an unusual usage. Yeah, it is. It is. I, I, I'd have to look back at the Greek on that because I'm curious about that. Um, this also it gets misused in the Protestant world because then it implies like a predestination. God has already chosen who the people are, and everyone else just forget about it. They're damned. So, and that's of course not Christian at all. Predestination. So. Um, so that's the epistle. We'll go to the gospel while we still have some time. Because the gospel deserves a little uh, unpacking. At that time Jesus went to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and cried, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely possessed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying after us. So she was also calling out to the the disciples as well. And they were just tired out by all her crying. He He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not fair to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. So this is a gospel of the immense faith of this woman, the Canaanite woman. And as we know when we look through all the rest of the gospels, this is not the way that Christ normally speaks. So automatically our ears perk up. And our ears can perk up in one way, saying, why is he being like that? Or we can say that same phrase with a a desire for an answer. Why is he saying it like that? Why is he saying it like that? I felt like he was qualifying her. Qualifying her, what do you mean? uh, See, almost testing her to see how, how faithful she was to come to him. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, there's two parts to that. So yes, he, he may have been testing her to kind of draw this out. But what we also have to remember is that this is a public setting. 
He's walking in this region. There are all kinds of people thronging him. The disciples are all around. And he's also, furthermore, he's, he's kind of showing it to the disciples as well. So he's drawing this out, not just for her benefit, but for the benefit of all the people who witnessed this. So they could see him say, Great is your faith. And who's this to? A non-Jew. That's a big deal. Those are the ones that so often, he said, have the greatest faith, like the centurion. I have not seen faith like this in all of Israel. Yeah. To everyone. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Because um, he says, I have come for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But that's true. But also, he also expands that. So in his entire ministry, it's not just to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But it's true. At this point in his ministry, he's been very focused on the Jewish people. Very focused on them. But this region, Tyre and Sidon, is a non-Jewish region. So he's there. So of course he's ministering to people who are uh, outside that as well. But again, he's, he's bringing her along a little bit. Saying how far... But he knows... That's the thing we always have to remember in all of these situations of the gospel. He knows it all. He knows exactly what is going to happen. So would he have said that to someone who said, I'm not going to deal with you. You're just too humiliating and I'm not going to deal with you. No, he wouldn't have. But he knew, he saw the sincerity of her faith. And he wanted to draw that out as an example to all the people. I would submit to you that the bigger reason was to show all the people than just to draw it out of her. That's part of it as well, to, to draw her along in the faith. Um, but there, there are ways where we might feel this way in our own lives, where we have some struggle that just keeps on going. Does anyone relate to that? <laughs> and we think, it almost feels like this. It almost feels like we could hear our Lord saying, I've only come to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It's not good to throw the, the children's food to the dogs. So, but all of this is in love, in deep, deep love for this woman and for all of us. So when we, when we uh, have situations in our life where we feel like that's what I'm facing right now, why isn't God fixing this? One little nugget to hold on to is He's going to draw more out of me. He's going to get more out of me. And He wants more out of me. Why? Because He's a jealous God. He wants all of me. And I cling on to the parts that I don't want to give Him. I hold on to those. But God is a jealous God. And so He's going to work hard to slowly work away at those parts of my soul that I don't want God to be in. Because we are all that way. So... So it's not much of a consolation when you're in the midst of a struggle, but it's something at least. So you can hear this gospel in that way as well. So.
Any other questions or thoughts or comments on the gospel? Yeah. I admired her persistence. Admired her persistence, yes. Yes, I mean, it is shocking how persistent she was in the midst of that. A non-Jewish woman, uh-huh. a Jewish man, teacher, yep. Yep. and she wouldn't let go. Yeah. Yeah, falling down right at his knees after already the disciples said, get her away. We don't want to deal with her. So, yeah, her persistence is really profound and an example to us. So, yeah, we're all seeking crumbs from the master's table. Yeah, because the disciples very well could have been thinking that way. So they were very much like the Pharisees in this gospel. Where this is this woman is outside the scope of what our, our leader is doing. So just send her away. She's outside the scope. So, And then they had that broadened through this situation. So that's pretty much what I had to offer. We're five minutes early, so you can enjoy. Those of you who are parents, you have five minutes of freedom. <laughs> Please rise for prayer. And I will just say, uh, on the topic of the homily and TV, I'm always available. If you ever want to talk about what you're facing or how it's a struggle or anything like that, I'm always available. Okay? Thank you. Christ, O oh God, we thank you for the witness of the Hieromartyr Haralambos. We pray that we may become glowing with joy as that blessed saint's namesake, that we will be vessels of your Holy Spirit, for you are holy always, now and ever, and to ages of ages. Amen.